Bible tells us there will be a shout and the trump of God will sound and the dead in Christ will rise and meet Him in the air. I don't know about you, but that excites me every time I hear that. Amen? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Good morning! And welcome to Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. This is the day the Lord has made. We should rejoice and be glad in it. And when you woke up this morning and it wasn't 110 degrees, you should be praising the Lord. Amen? You got your feet out on your floor and it was not too hot, but it was just right. And of course, we're in Texas, so if you don't like the weather, just wait a minute. Amen? All right. Well, it's good to see you here. One of you for visiting with us this morning. We're actually pleased. Fill out the visitor card. You'll find a front of you. Place an offering place and come around so we can have a record of your visit. We greatly appreciate that. If you're joining us online this morning, we want to welcome you as well and ask you to consider being right here in the sanctuary with us and experience what God is doing in Robinson Avenue Baptist Church. Well, speaking of that, let me share with you a little bit about what's happening at Robinson Avenue. We've had a very busy weekend. If you missed out on last night's concert in Gerald, Texas, you missed out on a blessing. So some of the REBC family got to go out spend some time uh, with the new Legacy Project. It was an up-and-coming uh, musical group in Gerald, Texas, and what a blessing that was. And uh, so we're hoping to maybe see them again in the future. So please pray about uh, that for us and pray with us. And now, in the meantime, uh, the youth group got out and did a little bit of youth activities on Friday. We had a lot of fun, and not one person was injured. Amen. <laughs> and, of course, if you were part of our Operation Christmas Child training yesterday, we want to thank you for that. And, of course, we want to thank Mr. DJ for all the hard work he does in that. And I want to ask you to start praying right now about the upcoming selection group that starts tomorrow. That's right. It's already here tomorrow. We'll start praying about that of being a part of helping us in that with that. All right. With that being said, some of you may know that yesterday was a very special day. It was Veterans Day. So I want to ask you right now, if you have served in the United States Armed Forces, if you are married to somebody in the United States Armed Forces, would you please rise up and let us honor you. God bless you. Thank you for your service. Thank you, United States Marines. Thank you. United States Coast Guard, United States Air Force, United States Army. Amen. Thank you, United States Navy, and thank you, United States Space Force. God bless U.S. Armed Forces and all those who serve in them. Please be seated. Here in just a second, we're going to ask a, a volunteer to come and lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance, and I hope you'll humor me and honor me in doing that as well. All right, let me finish the announcement, though, this morning. Um, we have some things happening today, of course. Thursday night, men's Bible study at 6.30. So, 
If you would, please find your way back to your seats and we can continue on with service. There will be no OCC video today. So come on, Brother Mark, and lead us into worship.
Amen. Thank you, Brother Mario. What a blessing that was. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis. We're going to be in chapter 35. Genesis 35. You know, something special about a country is you can still honor it if you let it. Amen? Something special about a country is you still take time to honor our best, our finest, for those who put on a uniform to defend our country. Let me tell you something. If you don't respect the United States military, if you don't respect those who go to fight for us, and you have my personal permission to stand in front of them during the next conflict. It's because of them. Now listen to me. It's because of them that we have the right to gather here this Sunday morning. Amen? It's because of them that we are still a free society. It's because of them that we have defeated the tyranny of socialism in World War II, that we have defeated the tyranny of communism in the Cold War. It's because of them that we have a free country today. And there is no greater country in this world than the United States of America. God bless the United States Armed Forces. And I want to remind you, those of you that have put on that uniform, for those of you that stood in front of that flag, for those of you that stood up for a cause that was greater than your own wants or your own desires, because of you, we are here today. God bless you, United States American soldiers, our sailors, our airmen. Thank you. And let me say something special to those of you, in my opinion, put on the toughest of all uniforms, those United States Marines. God bless you. Amen. All right, Genesis chapter 35. How do you message is go up to the house of God? That's where we are today, amen? In the house of God, it's not my house, it's not your house. It's the house of God. Genesis 35, read with me please, verses 1 to 7. The Bible says, then God said to Jacob, Arise, go up from Bethel and dwell there, and make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled to the face of Esau, your brother. And Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me in the way which I have gone. So they gave Jacob all their foreign gods which were in their hands, and all the earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the terrible tree, which was by Shechem. And they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were all around them. And they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with him. And he built an altar there and called the place El Bethel, because there... God appeared to him when he fled from the face of God. Shall we go to the Lord and Our Father, heart and heaven, we come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, we give you thanks for your word. Speak to us, Lord God, as we look into your scriptures. And I pray, Lord God, if there be anyone that needs to come to know your personal Lord and Savior, you let save you that day. If anyone, Lord God, needs to get their Christian walk right with you up this morning, in the morning, or anyone, Father God, need to be a part of what you're doing in the world of family, would you let save you that day? 
also pray this morning, Lord, for those that are online. I pray, Lord, that you would take care of them, bless them, heal them, Lord God. There could be some, Lord, who just say, I don't want to be around people in the rest of the day today, Lord. But say, I need to be in the house of the Lord. I need to be with God's people. He just read there in Genesis 35, God tells Jacob, go up to Bethel. So what's so special about Bethel? Well, I'm so glad you asked. There are a lot of things that happen at Bethel. And so why does Jacob need to return to it? Because that's really what God is saying is, get back to Bethel. You need to go back to where you came from, Bethel. And that's what we're talking about this morning. Some of you have grown up in the church. In fact, you're online this morning. And you're saying, I grew up in the church. I've been looking for that old-fashioned church. I want to tell you something right now. And you need to listen close. In fact, if you're out in the pews this morning, come in close and listen. There is no greater church in Compass Cove than Robinson Avenue. Somebody say amen. And some of you are like, oh, I've been to some other churches. i got some quieter churches past us. But you know what? We are the best kept secret in Compass Cove. Amen. <laughs> I love, I love Robertson Avenue, and I love getting out and inviting people to it, and I love sharing the gospel tracts and gospel with people who are out there. Uh, so, but I want to get back to our sermon this morning. Our sermon is go up to the house of God, and we get a command from God to Jacob saying, "Get back to Bethel. Go up to Bethel." And God tells them that, and so what we need to realize this morning is why did God tell him that? Why would God send him back to where he came from, to where it all started? And that may be a description of you this morning. You're saying, I need to get back to where things were right. I need to get back to where my relationship with God was right. I need to get back to where my fellowship was right. I need to get back to where my spirituality was right. Well, you need to take advice from Jacob this morning to get the command from God, go back to Bethel. So we need to realize then what happened. At Bethel. Well, you might, remember, you might remember when Jacob was sent from his home to Haran. Remember? He's actually grown up with his brother Esau. And if you've ever had a brother, you probably can relate a little bit to the story of Jacob and Esau. There is a rivalry there. There is a favoritism from some moms and dads there. And my point is this, though. Jacob is sent out of his house by his family, partly to escape Esau's wrath and partly to find a wife from Rebecca's family, and he stopped in a, to rest in an area called Luz. You can read about this in Genesis chapter 28. I want to encourage you to do that. We don't have time to go back and look at the backstory this morning, but I do want you to do that. Take some time to look that up and find out what happened to Jacob at Bethel. He is lost. He's lonely. He is looking. He is questioning. And he finds something at Luz. Well, can you imagine that, though? Jacob's family. Remember, there is that rivalry between Jacob and Esau. And remember, that is Rebecca herself who goes to her husband Isaac at the time and says, Hey, the wives of your son Esau are driving me crazy. I need Jacob to take a wife from somewhere else. Can you imagine that? Seriously and honestly, we're Western-thinking people. We live in the United States of America. Could you imagine what family would say that? Hey, the wives, your sisters, your brother has taken are driving me crazy. You need to go back to where I'm from and get a wife from where I came from. Could you imagine that kind of conversation a mother would have to a son? In other words, I want you to marry a woman just like me. Think about that for a second. 
Think about it. Now, we're going to paraphrase it, and we're going to look into it a little bit. But, hey, son, this would be Rebecca's thoughts here. Hey, son, your brother's wives are grating on your mom's nerves. So get out of the house. By the way, don't take anything with you because we read in Genesis 28 that he makes a, a plea with God. If you'll provide for me, if you'll give for me, if you'll bring these things to me, then I will accept you for who you are. And so that's where some of us are in our Christian walk today. We've been making a deal with God for 20 years now. now am I talking to you this morning? Have you been one of those that's sitting in your bedroom or perhaps right now you're sitting there on your couch and you're saying, I've been asking God to speak to me. I've been asking God to provide something for me. I've been asking God to do something for me. And when he does, I'll accept him for who he is. Am I talking to you this morning? Because if I am, then you're acting just like Jacob this morning. And you're in the right place. We're going to talk about that this morning. Imagine, Rebecca, she said, Son, your brother's wives are driving me crazy. Those ladies are not like us. They don't act like us. They don't talk like us. They don't behave like us. And any time I try to say something to them, well, all they do is talk back to you need to go get a wife who acts like I do, who thinks like I do, who talks like I do. If you know what kind of misery now Jacob is in, then you're married. Somebody say amen. If you don't know, then you're single. It's as simple as that. Jacob takes his mom's advice, one, because Esau is getting ready to kill him, and two, it's a good picture, a good way to get out of the house. So she goes to Isaac to send Jacob to my family in Haran. By the way, Jacob takes nothing with him. And, by the way, don't come back until you've got yourself married to a woman from our family. Boy, would our society be different today if we told our young men, hey, get out, don't come back until you're married. <laughs> Put a smile on your face, doesn't it? Could you imagine the wives they would bring back nowadays? What if you told that to your daughter? Get out and don't come back until you're married to some guy who thinks like I do. Anyways, on Jacob's journey, he stops at Luz and he rests. Now, we're going to look at the background just a little bit here, but quickly now. He uses a stone for a pillow, as you know, and he has a dream. And that dream is what we call Jacob's Ladder. It's kind of mentioned a little bit in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, where Jesus refers to it there. He's actually talking to a particular disciple, and he says, Hey, you are talking about angels coming up and coming down. Well, you're going to see something greater when you start looking at the Son of God. If we get a reference... Jacob's ladder there. But anyway, Jacob has this dream, and Jacob is awestruck. He uses the stone for a pillow, and God reveals himself to Jacob, and that's why Bethel is so important. Answering our question this morning. Why is Bethel so important? Because that's where Jacob met God. Now, you need to understand the picture, though. You see, up until this moment, Isaac was the faithful one. Are you hearing me this morning? Up until that moment, it was Isaac's God. It was Isaac's relationship. It was Isaac's religion. It was Isaac's church. And you know what? Am I talking to you this morning? You might be sitting there saying, hey, Dad grew up in church. Mom grew up in church. Brothers and sisters went to church. But when is God going to speak to me? You are in the same place Isaac was. Because that's where Isaac was. It was a point where, hey, Isaac believes, Dad believes, my family believes. It's just a family tradition. But he hadn't had anything personal yet from God until he goes to lose you know, there's a lot to learn about that. We don't have time to really hit on that. But if you were a theologian, you start thinking right now, what brought on the encounter between Jacob and God? You know what brought it on? Number one, Jacob got up and got himself out of his family and got himself with God. 
some of you need to get up out of those family traditions, out of those family cycles that don't need to be around you, and get yourself with the living God. Can somebody say amen this morning? Some of you need to separate yourself from people who want to kill you and people who want to hurt you. I want to give you a piece of sound advice this morning. Are you ready for this? Because this may sound like something strange. It may sound totally new to you, but drugs are not going to help you. Alcohol is not going to help you. It's not going to make you right with God. It's not going to make you right with your neighbor. It's not going to make you right with your brother or sister or mother or father. What's going to make you right with him is your relationship with God. Now, Jacob gets up. He runs away. He sits down in a place called Luz. He calls out to God. God answers. And out of a sudden, we have a brand new Jacob. Now, he's not perfect. Jacob's got all kinds of problems. He is human just like the rest of us. And as a human being... He thinks the way we do. He experiences things the way we experience them. He interprets them the way we interpret them. Isn't that a novel thought? He thinks like a man. Well, it's because he is a man. Somebody say amen. I'm not going out on a limb there if you're a Christian guy. Here's the deal, though. He is looking for something. He calls out. God speaks to him. God reveals a dream, a vision to him. And he cries out to God and says, if you will become personal to me, like you did to Isaac, if you will be in my life, if you will lead me, guide me, direct me, then you will be my God. And am I talking to you this morning? Is that the prayer you've been praying for years? God, speak to me. God, do this for me. God, show me you exist. And if you do, I will be your servant forever. Jacob heard about God. Of course he did. He grew up in Isaac's house. Could you imagine the stories Isaac must have told? Could you imagine the stories? Yep, I went up on this hill with Father Abraham. And Abraham had a dagger. He had some wood. And thank God Mom wasn't there. <laughs> Could you imagine the stories? I saw an angel. I saw an angel. I heard an angel speak. I heard what he said to Abraham. Could you imagine those stories? Could you imagine that? Jacob, like the rest of us, wanted to experience that God spoke to me. God talked to me. God showed me. God lead me. Am I preaching to you this morning? Are you online? And that's been your question for 20 years now. How come God isn't talking to me? How come I don't get a dream like that? How come I don't get a job or a calling like that? What you need to do is get yourself that thing. No doubt they had prayer. No doubt they sat down at the dinner table and they said, thank you, God, for the food. Are you in one of those families? Being a pastor, I get invited to a lot of dinners. Somebody say amen. I love it for that. That's my second favorite part of the job. What's the first favorite part? You don't want to know. Second favorite part, of course, getting it. And I've been to a lot of practicing Christians, deep practicing Christian houses. I've been to a lot of not so deep practicing Christian Funny things that are all good. I like when you listen to the family pray. They pray around the table. They always pray around the table when the pastor comes. Go like this. They always do. And one of the things that I find humorous is some of the prayers. And I'm not making fun of them. Don't get me wrong. But truly deep down inside, you can see how in depth, how relational the family is to God. 
Many years ago, I spent some time with a family in the Hamilton area, and they were newer Christians, and they didn't have a deep, deep, deep relationship with God, and they gave the prayer because the pastor was there. They asked him to come out to lunch with them. I went out to lunch with them, and their prayer was, get this, now we're not making fun of them, but I want you to understand where their relationship was. Their prayer was, God is great, God is good, now we thank you for our food. Amen, thank you, Jesus. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But it wasn't quite what you expect from a deep Christian. Now, you go know, some deeper Christians, they're like, thank you, Lord God, for the food your hands have provided. And they get into it. Bless the hands that are prepared. They get holy in it. Yea, verily, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death and eat this pot roast. Thou art with me. You know what I'm talking about? So obviously Jacob had been a part of that kind of family ritual. He'd been a part of Sabbath keeping. He'd been a part of those family prayers and those early teachings. Yet he was missing that personal relationship. Am I talking to you this morning? Am I preaching to you online? Bethel means that's how we say it in English. 
Bet means house. Fact. I'll give you a picture of what this stone table looks like. I don't know about you, but if you ever dug a fence post in Texas, that everything that comes out of one fence post post. Get that out of six inches and take the dirt. <laughs> you ever dug those fence holes? So you know what I'm talking about. That may be what it looked like. We don't know. But you get an idea of the altar to him. They called that place the temple. And in our text this morning, we read about God saying to Jacob, Go back to Bethel. Go back to Bethel. Go back to Bethel. Now, Beth means how? The same old little town of Bethlehem. Bethlehem. What does Bethlehem mean? House of bread. Bethlehem. That's what it means. It's the house of bread. Isn't it amazing that the bread of God was born in the house of bread? Yeah. So what does Bethlehem mean? You know, El means you just heard about El Shaddai. El means God. This is the house of God. Jacob says, this is the house of God. Just look at it. I'll give it to you. They have tell. Now you read it. You write well, not that well. They have tell. Transliteration. Maybe that's the message God has brought you to the house of God for this morning. And you need to go back to where it started. Now, I'm not talking about getting in your car and driving back to the place where you met Jesus Christ. I'm talking about getting in your Bible and getting back to the relationship that you came to you. Go back to where it all started. Go back to the house of God. Go back to when you depended on me. That's what God is telling Jacob. Go back to when your prayer was, God, if you do this for me, I will follow you with all of my life. You understand the Christian prayer isn't God make me rich. The Christian prayer isn't God make me famous. The Christian prayer is if you will save me, I will serve you. That's why you're here this morning. You want to get back to the house of God. That's what you've been asking. How do I get back? What do I tell people when I get back? I see them coming down the aisle of Robert's Abbey. What do they tell you, Pastor John? You know what most people tell me? I need to know Jesus. Or I need to be a part of this church. Or God's calling me to get back right. That's just why you're here this morning. You want to get back to the house of God. You just don't know how to start. Well, Jacob gives us a checklist. I love this verse. Jacob gives us a checklist of how to come back Look at that quickly now. Look with me in Genesis 35, verse 2. Let's read it together. And Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourselves and change your garments. So let's take a look at point number one this morning. And that was a very long introduction, wasn't it? Somebody say amen. Let's take a look at that here for a second now. How do we get back to the house of God? Jacob gives us a checklist on how to do it. Number one, get rid of your idols. Now, I'm talking now to the choir. Some of you say, Pastor, I don't have any idols in my household. Idols don't have to be statues. 
Idols don't have to be images. Idols can be anything that comes between you and God Almighty. You need to get rid of your idols. Jacob said to his family, put away your strange gods. If you want to return to the house of God, you must get rid of the strange gods in your house and in your family. You've got to, Dad, get rid of them. You've got to tell your family they've got to go. You've got to step up, start leading, start directing, start being the spiritual leader of your household, and tell your family those idols are not allowed in my house because this is now the house of God. Get rid of your idols. Get rid of them. Of course, that's sometimes easier said than done, isn't it? Sometimes it is. Sometimes we become devoted to our idols. Sometimes we become... Sometimes we become addicted to our idols. Sometimes we become in love to our idols. How do you get rid of them? Let me tell you, Jacob gives the answer as well. He calls upon God that he will provide for will give to you. If you will lead me, guide me, and direct me, I will serve you. The answer to getting rid of idols is saying there is only one God, El Elyon, El Shaddai, God Most High, God Almighty, and if you will lead me, I will never go back to those idols again. But if you're going to come back to the house of God, number one step is to get rid of those idols out of your family. Get rid of them out of your house. Look at me in verse 4 of Genesis 35. They gave Jacob all the foreign gods which were in their hands, and the earrings which were in their ears. We're going to come back to that in just a second. The earrings that were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree, which is by Shechem. Jacob hid them. Now, if you know the story of Shechem, you know what happened there. Dinah, his daughter, had just been violated over there at Shechem. And so what he's doing now is taking all those foreign gods and burying them underneath that tree, or the oak tree, the terebinth tree, that is in Shechem, saying, these have got to go. That old way of life, that old way of thinking, that old pleasure that we used to hold on to, that's got to be buried, and it's got to be gotten rid of. So the whole family obeys. The whole family gets rid of us. You're going to come back to the house of God. The idols have got to go. Now, I promise you we'd come back to the earrings for just a second. Now, what's up with that? Earrings. Now, most people would say, hey, Pastor, that's a picture of how they worship their idols. And you're absolutely right. That's exactly what they are. But there's something else in it as well. Sometimes, now listen to me, church. Sometimes we want to look good for the world. Am I preaching to the choir this morning? Sometimes we want to look beautiful for the world instead of for God. Sometimes we want to look enticing. Sometimes we want to look like the world wants to look. And you know what? You've got to get rid of those if you're coming back to the house of God. It's no longer about what the world likes. It's about what God likes. Get rid of those ears. Get rid of them. I'm not talking about, oh my goodness, you shouldn't put makeup on. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is, if it's there for anything other than God's purpose, it's already wrong. The Bible tells us they gave Jacob all the foreign gods. And of course, there's many in the as well. Now, check this out, though. You might be saying, Pastor, we don't have much idol problem in the church today. You don't think there's a problem with idols in the modern day church? Yes, sure, they've not been paying attention. 1 John 5 21 tells us, little children, keep yourselves from idols. This is one of the last books inside of the New Testament, and he reminds us. Get rid of those idols. Those idols don't have to be images. Those idols don't have to be statues. Those idols don't have to be something other religion in nature. They can be anything that comes between you and God. And John tells us, keep yourself from idols. Let's look at number two real quickly now. Jacob tells his family, purify yourself. 
You have an old King James, just clean yourself. Purify yourself. Look at me again in Genesis 35. Too. Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourself. First, we've got to get rid of our idols. We're coming back to the house of God. And two, we've got to purify ourselves. What does that mean? Purify yourself. In a nutshell, it means stop partaking in sin. Amen? 2 Corinthians 6.17 tells us, Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Because of you to sin, cut it off. Because of you to sin, gouge it out. Because of you to sin, get rid of it. It is better to be in God's kingdom, man, than to be in hell. You must stop partaking of sin. Purify yourself. Purify yourself. Ezekiel 18.20 tells us the effects of sin. Tells us what happens to sin. Look at me in verse 20. The soul who sins shall die. The soul who sins shall die. O King James, the soul that sinneth shall surely die. The Son cannot bear the guilt of the Father, nor the Father bear the guilt of the Son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. The soul that sins will surely Going to get rid of our idols, we're going to purify ourselves. What about the third one? Jacob says, Hey, change your garment. Change your garment. There's a lot we could put into that. We could talk about God's people don't need to go around looking like people of the world. Somebody say amen. We don't need to dress like that. We don't need to act like that. We don't need to talk like that. But you know, there's something more we can do than that. I want you to understand the picture of change your garment. You know, there's something amazing about that. When Offense is committed. When a crime is committed, one of the first things a criminal does is change his clothes. You know what? His clothes remind him of who he is. You want to know something, Christian? When you are getting right with God, you need to change your garment. Don't hold on to that past. Don't hold on to that way of thinking. Let it go. Put it aside. Put on something new, fresh, clean, white. Holy, that's deserving to serve God, not the world. Change your garment. Change your clothes. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that because I think that speaks for itself. Change your clothes. Get out of that lifestyle that causes you to sin. Get out of that lifestyle that keeps you in sin. Get out of that self-pity that says, woe is me. It's all about me. Oh, my goodness, I can't change it. No, you can't, but God can, so change your clothes and get moving. Tells us the care of God is upon the cities around them. Once they started getting rid of the idols, once they started washing themselves, once they started changing the clothes, the terror of God was upon the cities around them. Look at me in Genesis 35 5. And they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities. They were all around them, and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. God put fear in them. God did. Well, you know what the Bible tells us? God works for good in all things to those. How many of you know that in Genesis 34, Simeon and Levi went into the city of Shechem and put an end to their sin? How many of you know that might have been one of the reasons why they were like, don't mess with those guys, they don't play around. God works for good in all things. 
And my Bible tells me in Genesis 35, 5, the fear of the Lord, the terror of God was upon the cities that were all around him. Jacob has become idol-free. Jacob has become sin-free. Jacob has changed his clothes, and Jacob is now on the move, marching. Look at me again in verse 5. And they journeyed. Here's the other part. If you're going to get back to the house of God, you've got to start moving from where you are to where God wants you to be. Incidentally, you can't go to God and stay the same way you are. Jacob suffered trials and tests, though, and he did. Just because those cities were afraid, because the cities left them alone, doesn't mean that Jacob didn't suffer trials and tribulations and tests, because he did. And I want you to know something, Christian. When you decide right now in your heart, I'm coming back to God, there's going to be trials. There's going to be tests. Right after Jacob's decision, right after he hears from God and God says, come back to Bethel, come back to the house of God, bring your family back to the house of God. You know, right after that, Deborah died. Look at verse 8 of Genesis 35. Deborah, the nursemaid, died, and they bury her under a tree, and they tell the tree, they give the tree a name, say, that's the tree of weeping. There is mourning, genuine mourning, because she died. They loved her. How many of you know something? When we start getting right with God, the world, the devil, and anybody else around does anything they can to try to steal your joy. Deborah died. On top of that, there's great joy because Rachel conceived again. Now, she's been barren for years. Maybe she had that one son, Joseph. Now she conceived again, and she's getting ready to have Benjamin. And guess who dies in childbirth? This is all in Genesis 35. Rachel died. Remember right after verse 8? God has to intervene. God intervenes. Read with me again in Genesis 35. Right after verse 8, God reaffirms Jacob. Hey, you're not who you used to be. Don't you go back to your idols. Don't you go back to living in sin. Don't you go back to being unclean and impure. You are no longer Jacob. You are Israel. God reaffirms Jacob that he's not that old man anymore. Incidentally, he says, you are Israel. You are. And I'm going to tell you something, Christian. You don't have to live according to the flesh anymore. You don't have to live that way. You are Israel when you become a Christian. Look at me in Genesis 35, 10. And God said to him, Your name is Jacob. Your name is. Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore. But Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. You know what? You're coming back to the house of God. You need to forget that old past. The Paul talks about it like this. He said, when I press on for the mark, I forget those things behind me. And I press on and on and on forgetting what was behind me and grabbing hold of what is in front of me because I'm not Jacob anymore. I am Israel. Shortly after that, Rachel died. Verse 18, Genesis 35. And so it was that the soul was departed. She's pregnant. She's actually given birth to Benjamin. She's in verse 10. Look at me in verse 18. So it was the soul of the party before she died. And she called his name Ben-Oni, which means son of my father. But his father called him. I love Israel for this. I don't want that kid walking around with a name saying, I'm the son of sorrow. That'd be like naming your daughter Jezebel nowadays. You don't want to do that, do you? I don't want that. He changes his name to Ben-Yamin, which means son. Benjamin. His father called him Benjamin. And Rachel died. Could you imagine Jacob's sorrow? Deborah's died. 
Now, Rachel dies, and we already know that Rachel was the object of his heart. Now, she's dead. And all he did was say, I'm going to go back to the house of God. Let me tell you, when you come back, the devil, the world, people around you will do everything in the world to try to steal your joy. But what you need to remember is you're not Jacob anymore. You are Israel. You know what else happened? It's a powerful chapter. If you want to read verse 22, I'm not going to read it for you, but if you want to read verse 22, you see that the trials of death were only just beginning for Jacob. It went on to Jacob's family as well. It went on to Israel's family as well. If you were to read 22, you find out that there is a major heartbreak coming to Israel. A major heartbreak. Could you imagine what it would be like to be that kind of father and say, oh my goodness, my family are comfortable. You know something? We spent a lot of time in chapter 35 talking about Israel wanting to go to Bethel. But God says, turn around, come back to where you came from. You know what chapter 34 is all about? Then it's about Jacob's daughter, how close she came to being like the Lord. About Dinah, that's the name of Dinah, Diana. About Diana. How close she came. And I can tell you, she's in the 34. She goes out. She's there with those girls. She's there with those people at the well. And he's stepping. There's a warning in that too. Sometimes we let the world steal us from this. Sometimes we let the world take our confirmation from God. I don't want to be like that. Man, I don't want to act like that. Man, I don't want to talk. Close came to be like the world. Jacob was so close, he let him take Dinah home to be his wife. Jacob did. He said, You can take my daughter home, and my family will intermarry with your family, and Israel will be out of existence. We'll just be stuck. That's how close they were. Let me tell you something, Dad. Do you need to get back to the house of God? Let me tell you something, Mom. Do you need to come back to Bethel? Then what you've got to do is go get Dinah and bring her home. We blame God. God, why are you letting this happen? God said, I didn't let that happen. This is getting rid of it. This is getting rid of it. That's where you've been letting me initiate you off. It's time to come back home. And every time I try to come back home, every time I try to get back to the house of God, somebody dies, something dies, something bad happens, like Reuben. I don't know if I'm doing something right. He didn't remember that he told you, come back to Bethel. Jacob's family suffered. Deborah, Rachel, Reuben, and even Billah. Can you imagine living after that? Watching their children grow up, knowing that they know. You know? That's what the strategy is for He said, that's the gospel you've been reading in there. All I want to do is come back home. I want to tell God if you'll lead me, you'll guide me, you'll 
Let me so give me those clothes. Let me tell you what a Christian gift. Are you ready? Christian gift. Help me out now, church. A brand new white robe. Somebody say amen. Christian gift. Bread of life. Somebody say amen. Christians get the water of life. Somebody say amen. You know what else we get? We don't start talking like the world. We start singing like the angels. I don't count me singing up there in the choir now. But we start singing. We start singing praise. We start singing. We start giving glory to God because we start acting like God, not like the world. Pastor, say, Pastor, I need that relationship. I'm going to this morning. I have to say, Brother Josh, I am a Christian, but I'm hearing God tell me to come back to Bethel and I'm going to go back to where it started. Come on! I have to say, Brother Josh, I need to be in the house of God. I need to be a part of that family ministry. Whatever the case may be, we're going to give you the opportunity to come this morning. We're going to give you the opportunity to get it right with God. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. Know how we thank you, Lord, for your word. I ask you to take charge even now. Speak to us, Lord God, to anyone who to come to know you. Anyone who needs to get their heart right with you, their Christian walk right with you, let's save you that day. And Lord God, if there's anyone who needs to be a part of our family, let now be that time they come. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you come as we sing? Let Jesus come into your heart. Would you come this morning? Please pray. Y'all hope you enjoyed your time of worship. Give us a lot to have you back in church. Don't forget, we have a very busy afternoon, 4 o'clock, next to meeting, 4 30, Cantata practice, 6 o'clock, evening worship, and of course, our regular weekly activities on top of Operation Sister Scott Collection Week, which are happening in the Fellowship Hall, generally speaking, from 11 to 2. I think there's a day or two you can get the time. I'll let Sister DJ give you more details on that. In the meantime, I want to say God bless you all. I want to say shalom to y'all. I want to close in a word of prayer on the season. Um, what is going on?